Hello and welcome to the Happy You're Here podcast. In this show, we talk about tools, techniques, and ideas to help us live more fulfilling lives. In this episode, we have Coach Roman Miranoff, who is a relationship coach who's been trained in the uh, Tony Robbins training group and has done a lot of really interesting stuff that I will let him introduce himself and then we'll get a little more into discussion. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. That's right. I am a relationship coach. I do all kinds of coaching, well, many kinds of coaching, but I do prefer to focus on relationships because I believe this is where most of my training and my expertise lies. And I, yes, as you mentioned, I did my training with Robbins Madanus group. And yeah, this is an official program of Tony Robbins. So when you say relationships, you're talking about mostly romantic relationships, assuming from the content that you've produced. Exactly, exactly. But the point is people might come to me with an issue in their personal relationship, like infidelity. But then as we delve into coaching, we we dig out more things that I can help them with, including business relationships, relationships with their kids, relationships with their friends. So you might say that life is all about relationships, like just just different ones. Yeah, so I think that um, you're right. Obviously, everything's about relationships. I actually have interviewed some other coaches where, you know, maybe let's say they're an executive coach and people will come because they have an issue in their business. And then usually that turns into, well, there's all of these other things that usually it's like you as a person, there's something causing some kind of, um, you know, blockage or issue or something that's like recurring in your life. And then being able to address that makes your relationships with all other people, your relationship with your business better, your relationship with your spouse, all of those things. So it's kind of like, you know, anybody that's a coach ends up treating the whole person. Absolutely, absolutely. And maybe the most important relationship is the one that we have with ourselves, right? So when we heal that relationship, everything else oftentimes falls into place, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've experienced that in my own life. I'm sure a lot of people have, or if you haven't, hopefully you get a chance to, where you know you work on something in your own life and you develop more self-love, self-compassion, and through that, then you're able to express more love and compassion to other people. You're able to express those same things because really at the end of the day, the difference between you and I is, is relatively arbitrary. It's like looking in a mirror when we look at other human beings. So if we can't love ourselves, then how can we love another human being? Right, right. Or work and life balance. You want to be to be able to, you know, rest, not just work, right? Not allow yourself not to be productive all the time and give you give yourself the space of, you know, taking rest, which is also a form of self-love. Yeah, absolutely. That's an interesting way to think about it. The, I mean, I'm obviously all about that, but I never really conceptualized it as rest being a form of self-love. I like that. How did you get into this type of coaching? Was there a personal story that, that led you there? Yes, there, there was. Back in 2014, I went through a painful divorce. And at that point, I was very, very bad with women. I did not even though I, I had spent 11 years with my ex-wife, I was pretty much clueless because she sort of had fallen into my lap. I, I didn't have to work to get her. And so I basically ruined the relationship, ruined my marriage because I did not how to be a masculine man and treat my wife as a feminine woman. So I screwed it up completely. and. After going 
through that divorce, I realized that I need to put myself out there and go get, get back to the dating world. And I realized that I, I had no idea how to do it. So I started to learn whatever I could. Then what I did, I went out and I actually practiced everything that I learned about dating and relationships. So I sort of made myself a guinea pig. After having these two experiences, so one thing that I realized is that I, I can actually help people go through these sort of problems, resolve them, or just, you know, soothe their problems, help them heal them, because I could relate to what they were going through. And I also had this, all this information, which I made, which I experienced myself. So again, I, I could give very practical tips to people. That's why, like, these are the personal reasons that I used to, to motivate myself to get into coaching. I think that's, uh, you know, unfortunate, obvious that you had to go through that to, to learn that. But I think that that's what life is about. I mean, it, it sends us, we, it sends us opportunities to learn a lesson. And if we don't learn the lesson, then it just makes it the lesson harder and harder and more obvious and more obvious until we're forced to learn it. Um, you know, I had a similar experience with um, addiction and suffering, just deep depression. And that's kind of what's inspired me to start the show and started me to start helping other people. Because once I was able to climb out of it and build those tools, it was like, well, I want to tell everyone about this now. Anyone else that's suffering could use these same things. And, you know, I just didn't know about it when I was younger. So uh, making people aware of that and, and, and being able to give back the things that you've learned. Basically, every coach or therapist that I've ever talked to, that's how they've reached it. You know, they were suffering, they were struggling in some way. And the, the, the path that they took to get out, once you're in this better place, then it's kind of the opportunity to serve and to, you know, help others with what you've learned. Uh, that's true. And I, I just remembered an episode from a novel that I read um, maybe a month ago by Stephen King. And the novel is called Insomnia. And there is this woman who gets uh, bitten by her husband. And she she's at a hospital. And then another woman enters her room. And the first thing she does, she puts her skirt up and shows like a, a very, very big scar. And she says, okay, this scar has been given to me by my ex-husband. And by showing that scar, she was a counselor, as it turned out later. And by starting with, the, by showing the scar and being very relatable, she made this woman, the woman who was in the room, the woman who has been bitten by her husband, she made her relate to herself and open up. That's how it works. I think that um, I would love to get in some general viewpoints that you have about relationships, maybe some insight that you might have learned over this time that you've been coaching and from your own experience. I, I kind of relate to that where I, I did not understand. I had no real concept of like how to work with women, how to, how to respect a woman, how to be in a healthy relationship. I didn't date at all until I was like 19 years old. And then it took me another four or five years before I had a healthy relationship. And I can say now I had one six year, very healthy relationship. It didn't work out as a like long-term thing, but I'm still very good friends with this woman. And I think that 
you know, it was an opportunity to learn and we both grew a lot and it was healthy and it ended in a relatively healthy way. And now I found another partner who's I'm even more deeply in love with and our relationship is flourishing and, and using all of those lessons learned from previous relationships. But um, I came from not being able to talk to a woman at all, not being able to really understand their perspective um, and not really understanding what it meant to be a man. I, I, I fed into a lot of the kind of you know, like, oh, you have to be mean, you have to be a jerk, you have to like do all of these things if you want women to respect you and like, uh, which is kind of just nonsense. You have to have self-respect, but you don't have to put other people down to do that. So I would love to just have some like, what are some of the big things that you see a lot of men uh, or women uh, seem to not realize yet until they maybe go through coaching or go through something that forces them to learn that, that maybe we could save them a little bit of that. Okay, the biggest thing is definitely unconditional love. When you go into a relationship, you need to go there with the intention to give love, to meet your partner's needs, and not to get your needs met. That's the main point, because if you look at your relationship as something that you would extract value from, it's not going to work. You need to go there and give. It's like, you know, an application of this universal principle. Get, give to get, right? You want to be, you want to be giving. You want to ask your partner about their needs and make sure that you meet those needs on a regular basis. And you don't expect anything in return. That's the whole point. There's, there should be no like trading or bargain. No, you go there to give. And what happens then is the most important thing is that when you give love, you actually feel it in yourself. You feel it inside. That's how you feel love. You don't feel love truly when you receive it, it's good. It's good when your partner loves you, loves you back, or just like enjoyable things for you, that's good. But this is sort of selfish love. But when you give love, this is selfless love, and it's, it's the most rewarding, it's, it's the best feeling. The second thing that happens is that your partner becomes happy, and in that happy state, they're more open to actually reciprocating. They're more open to give back to you. They see that their needs have been met in a very kind and a very loving way. And that's totally normal and expected for that other person to reciprocate and love you back. This, this is the main dynamic of relationships. And unfortunately, many people, they see it in the wrong way. They think that they need the relationship to fix their problems or meet their needs or to stop feeling lonely. No, that's not how it works. The key thing that I have learned that made me better in relationships was getting okay first with being alone. Like we said, loving yourself and like really like not feeling like you need this other person to feel full because then it's just you're sharing that full feeling with someone else and then hopefully they can reciprocate and that's a beautiful thing when that happens, but it doesn't, and you're not like desperate, you're not clinging at that point to this like thing, you're not like, I need you to stay with me because if you don't, I'll be lonely and I don't know how to handle that because most of us are not raised to learn how to handle that and that's I think a big problem in a lot of relationships is there's that clinging and that fear of loss that drives everything. True, 
True. Neediness is actually one of the worst things that happens to love because when you're needy, you make the other person feel that they are like expected, they have to love you, right? Because you're, you're, you're like putting a responsibility to love them, to love yourself on them. And this is so detrimental to love because love is free flowing. It's, it's not supposed to, uh, to have any, like this sort of, you know, imposed restrictions. It should be, the other person should give love to you as they want without you extracting love out of them, trying, trying to do that. And that's why, like you mentioned, detachment, being self-sufficient, being happy with yourself is so, so, so attractive, both for men and for women. You mentioned, um, you know, talking to your partner often and asking them what their needs are. I had a, someone recommend to me at one point um, that you pick a time to, because you kind of assume that you're going to do that, right? You're going to assume like, well, if they need something, they'll tell me, right? Like, Having creating a, a practice of like maybe sitting down every week and just basically, you know, how can I be of service to this relationship or set, maybe not every week, whatever, even every day, like in the morning or something. I don't know. Like, is there something that along that lines that you found can help people uh, if maybe they're struggling to be to create that space to have that conversation? Yes, this is a, a very great tip. And I think I, I would I would recommend two things like along the same lines. The first one is to actually have a long conversation each day, so with your partner for at least one hour. And yeah, take that hour as an opportunity to ask them about their needs and how you are meeting them and how you can meet them better. That's one thing. The second thing, speaking about making appointments once a week, this is something that I like. I call it an executive meeting. The point of this meeting is that you are not allowed to criticize your partner during the week. You withhold all criticism. You write everything down. Okay, so let's say for on Monday you want to you want to like you, you got triggered and you want to criticize them. But you can't do that on Monday. You postpone it until let's say Sunday and on Sunday what you to do? You get out, let's say to a cafe, don't do it at home. You sit down, you pull up your list of, of the criticism that you wrote down during the week. And then one of you starts and the other listens for the criticism without interruption for 30 minutes. And then you, you like the other one starts. And, and the, the idea of this meeting is that uh, first of all, by concentrating criticism in in this one like one hour spot on on one day, you make it so you make it so much easier. It it makes it easier for the other person to actually accept that criticism. And the second thing is, after some time passes, you might feel that that thing that you wrote down it's not really valid. It's not it's not that important. So you might just cross it off. Yeah, I find that a lot where, you know, in a moment, that's an interesting like concept because in a relationship, there is a lot of stuff and you want to be able to communicate, you know, instead of holding it. And I have the issue of like, I used to, and I still, you know, maybe have trouble communicating my own needs 
if some even if someone were to ask me, I'd be like, no, fine, <laughs> everything's fine. I'll figure it out myself. Like, uh, like whatever you've done to me, like I'll just you know I'll I'll figure out how to deal with it. Uh, which is obviously not an ideal situation either. And the reason I do that is because a lot of the time, you know, it might upset me right now, but within a day or two, I'll realize that I was just being triggered or whatever. But and then maybe that's an opportunity to communicate, like, hey, there's this thing that I'm working on, but just so you know that this is a trigger that, you know, for this reason or that reason, or I don't know that the reason is, but it just, you know, when you, when, when this thing happens to me, whatever, whether it's you or someone else, like it triggers this emotion in me. Uh, and as a partner, I want to know that about my partners. So I think that's a really, could be a really great practice for people to build into their relationships. It'd be great to even have with, you know, very close friends that you have a relationship with often, you know, cause sometimes those can get heated <laughs> when you're not, structured in the way that you're sharing criticism with each other constructive criticism that's true that's true and you you also mentioned that it might be difficult for you to talk about what you want right and yeah i i think that this kind of this kind of conversation this kind of meeting that happens once a week could be just just the the right opportunity for you to um to make it like well, sort of to objectify it, you know that like you have you have a concern and you don't want to voice it, but then you remember that okay, I can actually voice it during my meeting, and this like sort of helps you actually to voice your concern because you know that there is this meeting coming up, and you can use it. Yeah, yeah, I think that a lot of it comes from you know my own personal experience. It comes from being like, well, this is, in a, it's um, inconvenient <laughs> to bring up right now. So it just, I just won't. And then it just, event, there's no space then ever to like bring it up uh, until it like maybe boils over. So I love that. Um, that's something that similar practices to that are things that I've heard other people talk about. So it's kind of like when you hear a bunch of different people suggest the same thing that work in the same space, it's probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, it's time to actually apply it. The universe is telling you to do that, right? <laughs> right, absolutely. So what about if people, like a lot of the stuff that I've seen that's your content um, and the stuff that we've talked about here already is, you know, how to, um, you know, give fully into your relationship and, and grow the relationship that you're in. Is there times when you see people that you're just like, these people just are not a good match for each other? Is that a thing that happens and how do you know if you're in one of those relationships that maybe you'd be better off as friends? Hmm. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, first of all, as a coach, I, it's, it's not my job to fix yeah. people or fix the relationships. My, my goal is to actually help them meet their goal. So I, I dig deeply and to find out what their goal is and then I help them with that goal. So for example, right now I have this woman, she's 33 lives in Russia, which I am originally from. And uh, she, she's been dating a guy for, for three years. And their relationship is going nowhere because that guy, he might, um, he, he might be, well, let's say they have a date and then he disappears for a couple of months. Then he come, comes, comes back to her so it's weird and she she doesn't feel safe in the relationship she doesn't trust him of course and she also has a lot of 
a lot of requirements that she wants him to meet. So, like, my personal opinion that in this case, it's, it's very difficult for, for them to be in that relationship because it seems like they are resisting each other. But as a coach, I see that this woman, she doesn't have any other like, options on her table. So we, we talked with her and decided that it would be a good idea to give him another chance to create a list of like really written requirements, give, give him that list so that he makes up his mind and decides whether he actually wants to meet those requirements if he wants to be in a relationship with her in a normal relationship. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it can be just as, you know, it can be clearly stating those requirements. I think that that's part of what happened in my previous relationship was we kind of had some core value differences that we kind of just kept skirting around. And then so many years into it, it's like, okay, well, these are like very important, like, you know, whether we want kids or not, like, that's a very important decision that... Uh, if you don't address, <laughs> eventually that's going to cause resentment on one side or the other. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, I think it's appropriate that you're not, you know, sitting there going, you guys shouldn't be together. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's interesting to just think about in, in terms of relationships that sometimes, um, and that doesn't mean that you have to like completely like remove someone from your life, at least in my opinion, like you can still be friends with people that you have dated. Maybe you, you definitely, I think, need some space uh, to separate those emotions. But um, those friendships can be really wonderful friendships if you can um, find space for that and find good boundaries. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's why I, I, I really want to acknowledge you for, you know, having that friendship with your ex-girlfriend. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is a beautiful thing. It's uh, I'm friends with in one way like in a small amount with all of my um previous relationships but you know her and i were just you know your best friends for this period of time so to be able to i don't understand why you would want to you know just get rid of that it's obviously difficult the emotions at first we had to take like six months where we thought that we could be friends and then we took some time apart we were just like let's just go our separate ways and like acknowledge that we moved to different parts of the country so that made it a lot easier she started dating someone else, I started dating someone else, and now it's like, oh, okay, yeah, now we're friends again. And there's really no additional tension there, or like, it's it's really a wonderful thing. I wish, I hope that, you know, people that have good relationships that maybe aren't working out um, can find a way to transition to that, because that can be, you know, maybe you met this person and they were meant to be like your lifelong best friend and you accidentally thought they were supposed to be a romantic partner. Oh yeah, that's that's a great example. Please, please guys. Like take it in. This is this is so so important. Yeah, you need to take time after your relationship, uh, after you break up, take some time to grieve, take some time to be apart from each other. But then, it's a very very good idea to continue with, to continue the relationship as friendship, because, yeah, it can be very rewarding. At least try. At least try. Yeah. I have. I have a great relationship with my ex-wife. We talk each week and like I ask her a lot of questions. I open her up and I make sure to help her upbringing our son who lives with her. That relationship is very important to me and I make it my job to actually be improving it all the time and be contributing to my ex-wife and helping her as much as possible. That's wonderful, especially when there's kids involved. Like that's going back to one of your 
your original questions you asked me about yeah like the ge the general things that help help relationships and or actually are detrimental to relationships there are there are quite a few other things and i, I think since we we spoke a lot about communication when it comes to communication it's very very important not to give your partner the silent treatment when they do something and you get resentful and it's very very easy for you to go into that silent treatment mode when where you want to you you're actually using silence to punish them but then they get they also they don't understand what's happening they don't understand they don't like your reaction and they get resentful as well and then you get even more resentful so it's like a vicious cycle and it never ends and you know the next thing you know you're just not you, you don't talk to each other anymore you talk only about things like getting groceries or taking care of your kids taking them to school and th there is no communication at all so this communication is key and the silent treatment is the opposite and it's very detrimental to the relationship. I think that's important to, to, to note too that, you know, just you can acknowledge that communication is important. And, and I think that early on, if you're having troubles in a relationship, like uh, committing to getting better at communication is an important first step because you're not going to just magically like flip a switch and be great at communicating with each other. It takes time. It takes learning these different uh, you know, boxes or that that communication can live within and where it's healthy and maybe forms of communication that aren't healthy, which is where like a coach like you can can really help uh, speed up that process because otherwise it's a really painful learning process. <laughs> yeah. And in addition to that, I would say I, I would say that every it's it's not it's not just with communication as a general process, but it's also with each particular conversation. Oftentimes you would find that your partner is not responsive. Like you ask them questions and they, they give you like one like monosyllabic answers, yes or no. And you need to open them up. You need to ask quality questions and maybe 10 or 15 minutes into the conversation you'll realize that, yeah, now they're opening up. Now I can see what's on their mind and this is actually very important. And this dynamic is critical when it comes to to men asking women a lot of questions in this situation because oftentimes women test their men by like sort of shutting down because they have something on their mind and they they would not say it right away so what do you what you should do in this situation as a man you set a timer for three hours and then you keep digging you keep asking you keep opening up your woman until she tells you what's on her mind because she expects you to be strong and break through her barriers so keep asking honey what is it honey what is it honey i love you so much i want to understand what's on your mind so please tell me what is it i'm not i'm not like going to be resentful about it i just want to hear you out and maybe help you if you need my help. I think it's important to note in that, that you probably don't want to be aggressive about it. Uh, like I feel like some people could take that and be like, tell me what's wrong, tell me what's wrong, tell me what's wrong for like an hour or three hours. But 
it's you know compassion it's 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 really like getting in that room and actually being present with the other person and showing them that you're there so i think especially for i don't think it's necessarily just for women but maybe it's more likely that that'd be the case for women like they need to see another another person needs to see that you are actually there with them and that you care and like you said it's kind of a whether it's conscious or not it's testing you know to see like can I trust you with this information? You know, are you going to flip out? Are you going to like uh, take it badly? Are you going to care enough to actually receive this information? Because it's clearly something that's important. You know, I like that idea of setting a timer because it kind of gives you like, a, did I spend enough time on this? Oh, I spent five minutes. I'm bored now. Like yes, and speaking of presence, it is it is also critical. You don't want to go into any conversation or communication with a partner and be distracted by other things. For example, I have a client, he's a 44-year-old guy from, from Israel, and for example, he, he actually hates when like, he and his wife are together and she pulls up the phone. Like she, he hates that, and he wants his wife to be 100% present. And usually this is exactly what your partner wants. So, give them the gift of your attention, 100% attention. And yeah, you'll make them happy. Yeah, that was definitely a thing in, in a previous relationship of mine where I felt like every time I was trying to have a serious conversation and express something that, you know, I wanted to kind of have a meeting of the minds on or meeting of the hearts, she would be on her phone. Like, and that's just like, I, and she couldn't understand why that was upsetting me at first. Eventually she did, but it was just like, I don't understand how you could not think that, like, I'm trying to have this very serious, like, one-on-one -on -one conversation and you're, like, scrolling through Facebook, which I understand is, like, an addiction. Like, there's something really going on that's a totally separate topic with, with these phones and stuff. But making that commitment to put your phone, I love just, like, putting my phone not by my pocket, like, by the door when I come into my apartment so that when I'm in my space... I can go over and like look at my phone if I need to look something up or something, but like I try to leave it in that one space so that this space is for relating to my partner, my my dog, <laughs> my friends that are over, like whoever it is. It's like, you know, trying to force yourself because these phones are designed to pull you out of that. They're designed to constantly grab your attention away from whatever's going on in the real world in front of you. Yes, yes. Beautiful. That's a very great tip, like separating the spaces, like this is my relationship space, this is my phone space, that's good. And the other thing that you're doing very well is that you actually, when you leave the phone, like in, in a place that is not exactly accessible, you just forget about it. It doesn't, it, it doesn't trigger the addiction, right? You, you just don't remember about it. It's like with food. When you, when you want to stop eating junk food, the first step is to get it outside of your house, get rid of it. Because when you don't have any junk food, it doesn't trigger you, it doesn't, doesn't bother you, and so your cravings are not that strong anymore. Yeah, I think it's the same, you know, like I, I come from a background of uh, addiction and working with people in, in addiction, and you know, it can be an, as extreme as like alcohol or, or a drug or something, uh, where maybe ideally, eventually you can be around it and not give into that craving but at first you really have to separate put physical space in between you and whatever that addiction is and, and i think that you know phones are 100 percent um addictive and there's lots of studies out there that show that uh they're designed to be so putting and the same thing with junk food whatever it is like putting that physical space and i think that's why w when you separate from somebody it's important to have that physical space for a while 
is because you, 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 you have chemical reactions that are happening in your brain that you can't control, no matter how logical you are about it. And you have to break down that dependence on those chemical reactions. Absolutely. And in the, like in the relationship community, this is called no contact. So when you, when you break up, you stop all contacts with your ex. But a lot of people, and you do this to actually help yourself heal, right? As you mentioned, to stop the addiction. Stop, rewire your brain not to think about that other person all the time. But unfortunately, too many people, they actually get it backwards. They believe that by going no contact, they will, this will help them actually get their eggs back. But no, that's not how it works. Well, that's very much that idea of like a relationship is something that I get, something that serves me, something that is like a reward for act like if I act good, then I'm rewarded with this relationship rather than looking at it as something that I get an opportunity to give to. That's right. Yeah. Which takes us back to the, the unconditional love principle. Exactly. Maybe another thing that we should mention when it comes to having better relationships is making sure that you have daily intimacy moments. So because, you know, with time, as our relationship goes on, we, we might find that we, we, we don't have that intimacy that we had in the beginning. So it's important to like sort of create traditions for yourself when you take a specific time during the day to kiss your partner passionately or give them a hug, give them a smile. That's important. Don't forget about those daily intimacy moments. Yeah, and, and committing to, to being present in those, you know, again, like bringing back to that presence, like, you know, there's one thing whenever you, like, kiss your partner and you're walking out the door, but your mind's somewhere else. Like, you can tell when you're kissing someone and they are present, or you're hugging someone and they're present, right? And that feels so good when you're, like, there with somebody and there's that, like, that's where that connection comes in. You can do the physical act and not mentally be there, and your partner will be able to tell. Um, and it, you're not, you're not going to receive the same results from that, whether it's your own, like how that feels for you and how the other person feels as well. Yes, yes, exactly. Another tip that I could give is remembering to praise your partner every day for every small thing that they do for the relationship because otherwise it's too easy to take them for granted. So instead, look for things that they have done that day and praise them for that. Also, make sure that you communicate your plans to them. Even when you like go outside, just tell them wh wh where you're going. And if you're like planning to do some kind of project, also tell them about the project. So be sure to communicate your plans to them because this is what makes the other person feel significant. And also, in the same vein, ask for their opinion about everything because this will also build their self-esteem. This will also make them feel great because they see that their opinion is important to you and they like it. Yeah, absolutely. I love the, the concept of, I, I think it goes both ways. Like it's kind of a little act of gratitude, right? When you're being vocal about every little thing your partner does, not only does that feel good to your partner, I mean, think about it, it would feel good if your partner was telling you all the time, like, Oh, I appreciate that you do this. I appreciate that you do this. I appreciate that you do this. So, you know, giving that to the other person is nice, but also that triggers something in yourself that's saying like, I am grateful for this thing. I'm putting that out into the universe that like, you know, 
it's that sense of gratitude. And then you feel this immense sense of gratitude for your partner. And then that just continues to, it's, it's really amazing when you can build such a, a immense bond with somebody in such a healthy way. I wish that everyone got to experience it. <laughs> I hope that everyone does at some point, but a key thing is, 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 is learning how to feel love and experience love and give love without having that first. Um, I think that a lot of people are like, well, yeah, that sounds great, Craig, <laughs> but I'm never going to have that. And it's like, well, if you keep saying that, then of course you're not going to have it because you're not giving yourself space to have that. You're not giving yourself permission to be loved by yourself even. So of course no one else is going to show you love because you're not allowing them to. Exactly. Exactly. And, and remember that it's a practice. The more, the more unconditional love you, you give, the more you're able to actually feel it. And the whole point of this, like the ultimate goal of unconditional love is, I believe, living a better life because you, you might begin with loving your spouse unconditionally or your partner, but then you actually realize that all life is about unconditional love. You can, you, you can love your kids unconditionally, you can love your neighbors unconditionally, you can love the whole world unconditionally, actually the entire universe. And when you do that, it actually fills every moment of your life with gratitude. And when you live that, that that's basically enlightenment. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're all about on this show. So it's it's all about expanding compassion and, and you know having those experiences because it's such a beautiful experience to for yourself and to really be in touch with, you know what I conceptualize as source, but other people, whatever conceptualization you have around that, it's like that universal love, understanding that all things are as they are and you can love them for that, allows you to love yourself and it's just this like, because you're part of that whole thing. Uh, and yeah, it's a, and also it just makes you a better person when you're able to, to come into any relationship, whether it's a business relationship or it's a traffic jam or whatever with that, uh, that mental space, it's like life becomes just this wonderful ride uh, of gratitude and joy. Yes, exactly. You, you realize that you are not separate from other people. You're, you're actually not separate from nature. Like you're not, you're, you're a part of universe and unconditional love is the tool to realize that and be, be able to live in the present moment, 100%. I absolutely love that we got to that point. Roman. <laughs> well, I am going to wrap things up. I would like you to tell people where they could find maybe some of your your YouTube videos. You got a lot of really good YouTube videos, um, your blog, some of your coaching information. I'll obviously put this stuff down in the show notes below, but uh, if you're listening, go ahead and listen to what Roman has to say. Yeah. First of all, kind of words. So thank you. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. Please go to my website, which is romanmironov.com, spelled as R-O-M-A-N-M-I-R-O-N-O-V. Hit the contact tab and just uh, sign up for a free breakthrough session with me and we'll go from there. It's totally free. And on my website, of course, you, you have all the links to my social media and YouTube. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm happy you're here. I'm happy you're doing the work that you're doing and, and spreading love in a, in a very real way. Thank you. It's, it has been a pleasure. And I love the fact that we actually share, share quite a lot of like, things between us. Mm -hmm.